Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars thanks for joining us once again here on inside supercars this week we continue our interview series as we head into bathurst but this time we're taking a slightly different tact where we'll be speaking to peter jamison from red bull racing australia Tony Quinn, who looks after the GT series, which has had much talked about it this year, and also Craig Denyer, who's part of the V8 Utes Brigade. And, of course, six months on since the announcement that V8 Supercars will be the category managers of the Utes series moving forward. An interesting show. I hope you'll enjoy it. We kick it off with Peter Jamison right after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Peter Jamison looks after the sponsorship and marketing of Red Bull Racing Australia, Triple H, Race Engineering. And uh, I started by asking him at Sandown how the TV package relates to being out in the marketplace looking for new sponsors, particularly in light of the team expanding to three cars next year. And do companies understand the information that's now being provided by V8 Supercars on who and how many are following and watching the sport. So to answer your question, the answer is yes or no. The yes being we've got partners who recognise the growth of the demographic that we're reaching. So anyone who says we're not reaching you know, the audience that we got last year, it just, they just simply just don't get their facts right. We're 23, 24 million people so far and we're only say, just into halfway through the season. We're about to hit all the endurance rounds. We've clearly got a major increase in exposure. I think we're sitting officially 9%. The no answer is those who keep their head in the sand and don't recognise that the world's changed, that people are time-shifting, people are watching TV or watching programmes when they want to. Now, this is a stat that I'd love to people to understand. In Townsville, while we were racing, they replayed um, Clipsal. 4,500 people watched over the weekend Clipsal while we were racing at Townsville. Now, clearly, they're time-shifting. Now, all those add up. Our cars are on that, in that broadcast. Our sponsors are being seen. It works. And the sponsors who recognise that are the ones who are actually getting into the sport and saying, OK, it happened in the UK 20 years ago. It happened in the, U- in the US 15 years ago. Australia is just that far behind. Get used to it. Um, maybe the NRL maybe should have been a little bit cleverer what they did 
but uh, certainly the AFL recognise that, and that's why every game goes you know, it's live on Fox. Simple. I guess the NRL is keeping its options open now, looking at a potential online strategy as their second partner rather than Fox. Look, I don't know what the NRL. I think the NRL just got um, mis uh, misnegotiated. There was this negotiation went badly for them. Um, but we clearly have taken a path, and it's a long-term path. And I think our sponsors have, have, have recognised that uh, it's, they're here for the long haul. Certainly, our partners, being Red Bull Racing, understand that. So you've got Caltex, Holden, and uh, Red Bull clearly identified with where the future's going with with uh, pay TV. With the expansion of one car, I guess it's timely that you're having these conversations. I guess everyone expects Red Bull to bring a new partner in, but if it is just increasing a share of a current partner, that's still a, a big job in a tough market, in a tough economic market. We're certainly looking at new partners. There's no doubt about that. Um, new naming rights partners, um, I think, right now are pretty skin, pretty skinny. Have a look, good look at uh, how many NRL teams are playing without uh, major backing on them. But certainly, we've got uh, we've, you know, the funding for the third car is, is is looking strong, and it's all to do with partners who recognise where our future growth is going to come from. But I, um, I'd have to say, if I was, uh, we're a, at the end of the day, we're a small pond. Australia is very much a, commercially a very small pond, and there's only a certain amount of money to go around, and everybody has tightened their belts. That's, that's a definite fact of life. Does the Asian expansion? help open up other markets or is one race two races in asia you know you might be able to grab some extra dollars for those two and it might not cost the teams to go there and and do their business but it's not going to be the pantheon cure of you know more names on cars for the other 16 races that's a good actually a good question um i believe it will the asian market let's say we have four races in asia ultimately and it all fits within the time zones we're working to, we would then be a serious contender to get some good Asian sponsorship, particularly airlines, um, you know, some of the electrical crowds. You know, Samsung would have a good look at it again. You know, we've, had, we've had a relationship with Samsung. We've got a relationship with LG. They're the sort of guys that actually do understand how it all works. Maybe that opens the doors for a lot of the computer companies again, which is we've had them and they've dropped out. Now we've got to maybe revisit that. But uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see, a, a, in the long term, a car, a, a whole paddock full of gaming, uh, online gaming uh, sponsors. I think that category just won't work for that. Mm. But you think it is a critical match in Asia of four? You, it's four races until you get enough international coverage or international leverage? I just, look, that's my personal view. I just believe that the, the whole category needs to be take draw a line and so right, right straight, straight up to the North Pole, four hours from the eastern seaboard and four hours the other way. So we've got this big line going to the North Pole. There's our catchment. That's where we should be operating to. That's where we should be racing in. That's where we should naturally fit all our sponsors from. And uh, if that, that talks to all the Asian countries uh, and, and, all the, and basically all the manuf- car manufacturers that we're driving. Uh, so it makes logical sense. I don't really get going into the U.S., um, but I certainly understand it was a good thing to do. I mean, we enjoyed the holiday. But, um, you know, New Zealand one way, let's go over to Perth and just draw a line straight up to North Pole and then say, right, let's go car racing in that, in that footprint. I guess uh, your ideas, how did they get translated back to the powers that be? <laughs> well, Roland's got a different perspective yeah. to anything else as well. But, hey, look, it, I actually just think we should keep, in the, keep our knitting close. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, operating in the Asian footprint is what we... we it's what we operate to. 
um, and the sponsors have to reflect that. Uh, back to models for new cars and naming right sponsors. Do you think that what Penske are doing here, which is adopting an American uh, NASCAR-style model, is going to be the way forward for the, the short term until the economy does come back strong? Well, their model, um, the interesting thing is they've actually got four or five brands sitting in, in their own footprint, so it makes sense for what they're doing. Um, we love we love it because it's brought uh, you know, one of our significant sponsors being Aveco is now suddenly saying that uh, they need to uh, operate in the in the category strongly too. But hey, if it works for them, that's good for them. Um, Roland's always taught me um, to work with on that we want the money on the fridge up front, so we know how much we got to play with, and uh, that's how we operate as a business. So that's what I'm. I have to work too, and uh, we, we've got budgets so we have to work too. That, but you know, look, if it, uh, if someone can't get that that naming right sponsor up front, and they can rotate them through a series of smaller ones, well and good. I guess the expense of rotating has to be factored into the cost of four or five deals. No, not really. No, because we're as a team, we repaint our cars every race meeting, so we resticker them. So that's built into the cost of our operations, right. and it was not dissimilar to other teams. So it's not um, okay. You might have you might have to replace the roof all the time or the rear quarters, but pretty much the front of the car, um, all down the sides and all the doors is replaced. So it's a restickering process on so most of these. Not really a cost. There is a cost, yeah, but, but not most an additional. To be honest, though, most teams are now similar to us. They've got their own printer, they've got the, they've got their own sticker guy, and um, no, technology is heading the direction we ultimately might even be just wrapping our cars long term. I thought we already were there. Uh, we aren't. Oh, We're still okay. painting. <laughs> Always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, as you head to Bathurst, what have you got for us this year? It's uh, been a bit of a tradition for your... Uh, yeah, we, have, we, haven't, we, aren't, we aren't doing any livery changes, but we're, um, we're having a bit of fun with uh, the characters. Craig and Jamie and uh, their alter ego, their, their bogan alter egos are uh, coming back out. We're doing a couple of videos this week, filming them. Um, that gets released uh, the week uh, before Bathurst, and then they're actually showing up to do some filming, uh, some signing. So we're actually having over a, the Bathurst weekend. Yeah, the signing sessions are uh, they're coming out. Jamie's and his mullet is back. <laughs> well, we can look forward to that. Terrific. Look forward to you. After the break, a man who you can only call a colourful racing identity, Tony Quinn. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Tony Quinn, uh, halfway through a busy year of GT racing, at the beginning of the year we were talking about, well, buy potential people wanting to buy G- Australian GT, uh, the bringing forward of the Endurance Championship, and the future of motorsport with uh, cams mooting a few moves. We've seen a few moves already made, but... In your opinion, where do you think the cards have all laid for Australian motorsport? <laughs> um, 
Um, I think there's been a few changes, and I personally think they've been for the better. I mean, I think the V8s buying the rights to the Bathurst 12-hour, that's been a good thing. Cam's buying the Shannon series, I'm not sure what that means for everybody. Not sure. I'm not sure why they had to do it or why they did it. Um, and some of the series that have lost their championship status, um, yeah, they're carrying on. I don't think it's made a blip of a difference, any of that stuff. And I understand that Cam's are actually back talking to you know, some of the series like Formula Ford and stuff to see how they can work together rather than apart. So I think it's just motorsport, mate. It's another year of motorsport. And, you know, the guys that have probably got the biggest problem of all are the V8 supercars that are... And I'm a great supporter of them, but I really do think that they confuse the public and they confuse everybody by with Gen 2, whatever that is. I mean, they haven't got Gen 1 right yet, and I'm, I'm not sure what Gen 2 means. And Yeah, I just don't think... I mean, there's, they're stealing sponsors from each other. Um, they've, they've got a whole world of um, um, issues that I don't really want to get involved in. Um, so we at Aussie Race Cars and Australian GT, we're just carrying on providing our customers with a product that we think that they want. Of course, uh, V8s now control the utes, and we've seen delays with the new generation utes. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think that that generation of ute will transpire. Um, I think the utes have always been the clowns, if you like, or the, the entertainment pack. I don't think they need to be serious racers, to be honest. Um, they're a little bit like the Aussie race cars, where they're entertainment more than racing. And I don't really think that putting a V8 engine into a low-hung Colorado four-door ute is, has got any relevance. So my, my vision on that would be to have diesel utes pumping out black smoke um, with knobbly tyres, three-lap races with a paying passenger. I mean, they've got to entertain. And, I mean, what better a way to entertain? You would have people queuing up to do that, and it's no different to a rally or whatever. You know, I mean, people would pay to do that. And yeah, I, I really do think that everybody needs to take a good long look at them. I mean, you walk around the paddocks nowadays at the at the rounds. There's probably more people go to a state round proportionally than um, yeah the V8 rounds. I'm sure, there's the diehards, the the people that always come, but it ain't growing. No matter what anybody tells you, it ain't growing. I guess. In some ways, we're here at Sandown talking, and it's a bit like the racing industry, isn't it? The person at the track, that used to be the only legal way you could put your bet on. It's the only way you could keep in touch with what happened at the track. In 2015, you don't need to even go near the track to know what's happened. You can see it on your phone. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point, and it's always been my belief. But there is an element of absolute truth in the scenario where if all the information is on free-to-air television so you watch every round on free-to-air television 
Um, and so you watch Perth, Tasmania, Darwin, Townsville, uh, Eastern Creek, whatever. If you're if you're an avid supporter, um, the theory could well be that when you come when it, when the show comes to Sandown, and that's your local track, you will go to Sandown to watch it live, which I think is an interesting concept because a lot of people, and me included. Have, have thought that it's been the demise of the sport for people to be able to watch it at home and stuff. But I think there's also an element of people that would watch the thing throughout the, the whole series and then go to their, their home track and watch it. So it's a very, very difficult uh, thing to, to, to measure because it's a bit like insurance. I mean, I'm not sure that any of us need insurance because if we don't use it... Bit of a waste of money. It's like advertising on TV. Who, you know, how do you know you get money for it? So it's a very difficult situation. But I just think, me personally, and a few other people that you talk to, it's not working. Whatever we're doing, it's not kind of working. So we need to bring back the bring bring back the sizzle. I reckon the sausage is still there, but the sizzle is gone. I think for yourself this year in the GT series, how have you felt that your clients are developing with you with the plans that you have for 2017 and endurance and a sprint series? I think, uh, you know, I think you, when you've got customers, you're always going to have whinging ones and complaints and stuff, but I'd have to say that we've got probably 95% uh, total support um, with all the guys and they, they believe in what we've done and they believe in the plan going forwards and it's important for me that we don't sign any contracts that go beyond 2017 because 2017 for us is a new year of trial stuff and we don't want to uh, sign on to something that um, won't work for us long term so for me 2017 is about creating the sprint and the endurance with a new sponsor on board and um, a different different sort of element of uh, competition and um, so look I, I think whatever we can hardly lose because it'll be difficult for people to judge the success really or the failure because we haven't really done it before so so the endurance model isn't the 101 model then yeah that's a that's a brand that we've established but whether that um is relevant going forwards I'm not quite sure um, yeah so I mean really an endurance race should be around four hours with three pit stops so that's that's kind of what we're thinking because the, the three pit stops puts in a few different strategies and stuff like that so it's important that you know we um, we have that on an aside, New Zealand motorsport was another topic we talked about, and you had some big plans uh, for that. They all changed soon after Clipsal, and now you're the, the proud owner of Highland Park, and also you've got Hampton down. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's no secret that I tried to buy Hampton Downs five or six years ago, and it's always been on the the hit list. Um, and now that I've got it, I'm, yeah, I'm progressing to finish it properly and stuff 
and um, next Friday I travel to Germany to meet with some European guys to talk to them about coming to New Zealand and what they can do and I think what Hampton Downs gives us in New Zealand is it'll be an international venue and we'll be able to attract um, series from offshore I mean I don't know if many people know it but New Zealand as a country um, disproportionately outperforms any other country in the world as far as uh, racing drivers go they, it's in their DNA, it's in their blood something happens over there when they're born I don't know, but they all seem to be able to drive very well and um, so you know I think New Zealand's a great platform or a great base for us to be connected with and then guys come out to New Zealand but there's a whole raft of of plans for Hampton Downs that will um, catapult it into what I believe will be yeah, in front of yeah, many, many tracks around the world that I've been to as far as um, venue and also the business model will be will be a, a different model um, that won't that won't rely on any one element for its business, you know, so it'll be interesting, it'll either be I told you so or whatever, but it'll either be good or bad and I'm sure it'll be good. But you also had felt that by having two tracks, you would um, also be able to help some of the problems in New Zealand motorsport structurally as well. Is that is that a goal that has to be pushed out to 18, or is that something you're fixing in what you're doing currently? Uh, look, I think New Zealand is trying to sort itself out. There's a bunch of guys with good intentions trying to do that, but the thing with New Zealand is that it's kind of it's kind of forgotten. Um, it's forgotten the um, uh, the cost of motorsport, and the Kiwis, God love them, they all expect to do things for next to nothing. Well, yeah, that's not achievable anymore. And you know, um, a lot of the Kiwis that travel overseas or offshore understand that motorsport's an expensive sport. And um, I think that the reason that a lot of the categories and the sport in general is in trouble in New Zealand is because they've tried to do things on a shoestring for far too long and it, it can't be done, simply can't be done. So they need to recognise that um, maybe do less, but better quality. and you know, they, They've got to raise the bar, the whole thing's got to be raised. And finally, uh, Daryl Lee's been not only a great supporter of uh, Aussie racing cars, GTs and, and uh, so many other parts of motorsport, but the obvious one is with Shane Van Gisbergen moving teams, are you still going to have that relationship with Shane when he gets to Triple Eight or uh, does that mean you're going to have to have a new dynamic there? Yeah, look, no, clearly the relationship with Shane, the commercial relationship with Shane will be over um, personally, yeah, we're still mates and good friends but um, that then puts Techno in a difficult spot um, because clearly there's really nobody else in the field currently that can match Shane's uh, ability. And so, you know, do, does Dudley want to be a midfield player? Probably not. Um, and we've been there before with VIP. It doesn't achieve much, um, sadly. And the cost of sponsorship for a midfield car is the same as a front-running car. Um, who wants to be midfield? You know, there's not a lot of merit in it. So I think, you know... 
Darlie's sponsorship of the V8, uh, a V8 car at that level, is um, in doubt. To be fair, but you know we we may well still be there um, at some level or whatever. But um, yeah, we don't we don't need to be there. I don't think. So obviously, Techno have to come to you to uh, Darrell Lee with a driver name that means top five regularly. Yeah, and they've, they've already been with six names um, and none of them really fit the... And, you know, none of us are stupid. We all know that, you know, we're, we're trying to do the right thing, but simply no one's got Shane's ability and, you know, we all acknowledge that. It'll be very, very difficult to... to um, to beat that or to even match it so you know I, I don't know and, and that just forms one of the many the many issues that face the sport and V8 supercars and yeah I think it's personally sad but it's a commercial reality that you know Pepsi back out of one car two cars and make it one and then you know super cheap jump from one car to another and you know, where does that put the super cheap car currently? You know, in a very difficult spot because there just isn't the sponsors with millions of dollars out there. They're just not there. And I, I, I just believe that the sport, you know, it just, it just currently just doesn't have the, the mumbo to, to do it. You know, what I mean, and I don't want to go on and on about, it, but you know, we're away to Kuala Lumpur, and that's fine. And we might be getting paid to do that. But that was done 10 years ago. And it didn't work then, you know. And I'm not sure how it's going to work now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what all that does to the whole thing. It's, uh, it's, it's a problem for all of us in motorsport. I'm not, I don't want to be doom and gloom. I mean, well, there's plenty of positive stuff out there. But, um, yeah, look, the, the industry, if you like, is facing some, some real threats and, and issues. You know, if you were to do a, a SWOT analysis on it, you know, it would be a pretty thick document, I think. And, uh, of course, there is tracks being built, which all is important for the, uh, for the series. Or there's tracks planned to be built, I should uh, correct myself. And that's critical to the growth but are the tracks going to be built in the areas where the people need the facilities now, I know you're aware on another subject but um, oh, look you know, for 10-20 years we've been doing these street circuit stuff which have been really good, it's added a new dimension to the sport brought more people to the thing been a huge success but a very 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 costly exercise and yeah, to go and build a new track now, with all the restrictions and safety demands that are in place, yeah, there ain't no change out of in Australia, 50, 60 million, and there's probably not the money in the system to repay that. And so I think people are going to be hesitant. Plus, the passion's there. Commercial guys are going to be hesitant to to fund that sort of model um, and yet we're being squeezed by the street circuits where it's getting expensive it's getting disruptive it's, you know, it's all of those things um, you know, it's just another element of the sport that's under threat and 
you know, what's the solution? Well, we're all to blame. You know, CAMS, everybody's to blame because we've all supported the VA, the um, street circuits over the the national state circuits, and the state circuits haven't been making the money they've needed to reinvest. I mean, I don't know how much we've put into Homebush over the years, but I'm guessing it would be, if it's not 40 or 30 or 40 million, it, it wouldn't be far short. Now, stick that into Wakefield Park and Eastern Creek, you know, or somewhere else, you'd have a solution, you know. But we haven't done that, and now we're at a point, we're at crisis point, where, you know, what do we do? Um, the other thing we need to address is the noise, you know. And I know that James Warburton's come out and said we're going to be loud and proud. That's cool, but that's not globally acceptable. And as a track owner in New Zealand, it's probably not the future either. Um, in New Zealand, where the track owners, uh, of which is a few, are all kind of getting together and saying, guys, we need to be proactive. And for us to keep our licences, we probably need to be looking at um, you know, a decibel reading of 10 to 15 less from where we are now um, in order to survive. Because, you know, Grandma Smith, that lives two k's down the road from a track, you know, her, her budgies aren't mating because of the noise from the track and it just gets politically sensitive and stuff. So it's a real issue. So, you know, there's, look, Jesus, this has been a real doom and gloom sort of uh, session. But um, you asked me some questions, and I, I've never been one to, to sort of paint a flowery picture. If it's, you know, there are some, I think, some real issues. Not sure that we, that we fix them. And, yeah, yeah. Well, on the positive then. Yeah, go on. You've, we spoke about Shane and your relationship with Shane. How, how proud. I guess is it when you see him going to the Blank Pain series through the McLaren connection, which you had some involvement in in helping that come through, and you see him winning races up the front regularly and and sort of vindicating everyone's uh, everyone's opinion of why he is one of the best drivers from the Southern Hemisphere to uh, to have emerged in the last 25 years. Yeah, but it goes further than that, and I would say to you that every V8 supercar driver is international standard. I mean, there ain't no dummies on that grid. And, you know, Shane's a good one, a special one. But all of those guys could go overseas and, uh, given the right uh, circumstances, provide you know, themselves. I mean, that's why the Kiwis have done so well. You know, two of them are on the podium at Le Mans, you know. like, And Kiwis continue to... To step up overseas, Be, you know, because they go from New Zealand from a basic you know, system into the the deep end, and they do really well, and they they they're performers, you know, they're they're hard workers. But um, in Australia, we seem to be gravitated, rightfully, towards the V8s and stuff like that, which is all fine, and because the V8 jungle, you know, is very very competitive, and the guys that do well in the V8s. Are exceptional, you know, like really, and they get they get compensated well, and they don't have to leave Australia, and that's got some attractiveness to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that helps if you like keep them here, 
but um, the Kiwis don't get that, so they tend to bugger off to Europe or whatever, America. Some of them come here, but I think when they come here, it's sad, isn't it? And this is not a racist comment, but when they come here, they're Kiwis, you know, which is good or bad. But when they go to Europe, you know, they're Kiwis, which is like, it's it's, uh, a different circumstance, you know? Yeah. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk to you, Tony, and uh, all the best for the I'll rest probably, of the year. I'll probably end up in court in the next couple of weeks with someone I've said, I'm not sure. Again? Again, yeah, but I'm used to it. Craig Denyer joins us to talk V8 Utes. Up next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Craig Denyer, since the beginning of this year, the V8 Utes have been knowing that their future is going to be aligned with V8 Supercars. Obviously, we were hoping to see a new ute by Sandown. That hasn't eventuated, but how is this uh, integration, if I can use that term, going with the V8 Supercars organisation and the utes? Look, I think one of the um, one of the things that we wanted to ensure we, we got right was basically, obviously, you know, the, the ultimate cost of the competitor. And uh, there's no question we've been back to V8 Supercars a number of times and probably had um, some disagreements on the ultimate specifications of what the vehicle should be, what they would like to see and what we need to think is sustainable for the category so uh, that's been a, an ongoing process and while it um, while we haven't sort of agreed with supercars or cams what the final spec of the new ute is going to be I think the consensus is that we are we are now moving down what I would say the final path to that determination one of the key things that supercars want to see are uh, it, it, diesel integration and uh, of course what hasn't been done in this country is any kind of R&D on diesel integration not even a diesel engine has been dynoed yet so to to go out to all our competitors and say effectively from this date you have to run that Um, we're not prepared to do that until we know what the actual cost of the competitor is Uh, there's a a diesel engine now being motect and about to be uh, dynoed through our control engine supplier Craig Hastead and that will ultimately determine where we think that's going to fit short or long term in the future of the category I know Dave Stewart's team who are working on Gen 2 are supposed to be uh, working on the new Ute, the evolution, I think, uh, I can't evolution. pronounce it, evolution, um, how, is, how is that side of things going, because obviously they've got their main priority being their supercars and are now looking to expand their business, and yeah. we understand why, yeah. but obviously for your competitors base, they don't want to be felt as second fiddles, they've got a category management structure now that says they're the most important thing in their category manager's life. Yeah, I mean, our focus is on us, and it has to be on us, and it has to be the sustainability of our 32 shareholders to continue to race at what we would say would be a a cost-effective level. 
And um, I think that uh, until we, we have a very, very clear indication about what those costs are, um, and I would still like to think that we will progress to an evolution unit in some form sooner rather than later, and it could well be as early as, as next year, uh, but, but that would be brought in alongside our existing platform. I think it's a very, very tough commercial world at the moment, and uh, it's very, very hard for teams or anybody in motorsport at the moment to secure good corporate dollars. And uh, for that, we've got to be mindful of. And I think we'd probably like to see the current platform extended at least for another two years uh, with, a, with a body upgrade to, uh, to um, you know, VF and, and FGX in terms of our current Ford Holden models and then be able to bring in the Evolution Ute, be that diesel, V8, V6, whatever it is, alongside the existing platform so we can control the, the, the research and development that over a period of uh, a couple of years before we mandatorily force that, any change on the rest of our shareholders. I guess we have spoken a number of times over the years about that hope to see the Utes moving down into the state level and, and to give them a second life. Where does that sit now that obviously category management changes and second life of this category's equipment may not even be on their radar. No, and it's hard to quantify that too because, as you know, CAMS have done a rationalisation on support categories and, uh, and clearly uh, a state-based VH Ute series is not part of that, that rationalisation. But I think they also have an obligation to ensure that our Utes can continue to race in some form. Uh, at the moment, we'd like to continue to race them for another two years while we bring in the, uh, the new platform alongside that or evolve to that. So it's not on our radar and I don't think the commercial market is such at the moment where it can sustain that anyhow. That would be my reading of it. How how important, though, is it to have the Evolution Ute before, and, and something out there on the track, before the end of the utility vehicles in Australia in the current form? Look, I think it's important because you've got to, whether Ford or Holden cease manufacturing or not, you've also got to be mindful of the fact of where the current new car sales are. And uh, light truck utility SUV-based vehicles are very much in a major sales bubble, well ahead of the current Ford Holden Utes, which have basically frittered right away in vehicle sales. So, you know, you've got to remain relevant to the fan base. That's that's our primary importance as a category. And therefore, that evolution is imperative in us being able to maintain that relevance and to, I think, probably engage with the younger demographic, those that didn't grow up in the Ford Holden era as we have and aren't quite so aligned to those brands as we are. You know, there's a whole new generation out there that drives that are 20-year-old tradies that drive a Hilux, a Navara, or whatever it may well be, that I think we've got to make sure we're relevant to. Therefore, I think it's imperative that we do move forward to the evolution, you know, sooner rather than later. And uh, the important thing is to do it right, not do it so it bites us cost-wise, and do it in a way and at a level that our shareholders can sustain and afford to do it properly. Where does all the negotiation and work that you've been doing as the category manager now go with their supercars who haven't been working in that space? Look, that's that's a, just an ongoing working brief. I mean, as you say, they've got their own issues in terms of getting their 2017 rules right and their, uh, their focus should be and is on that. Uh, we're working with CAMS uh, on the specifications of the evolution because at the end of the day, they're the ultimate ones that are going to approve what the final spec you know, will be. And so our, our discussions are probably more so at the CAMS level today than they are the V8 supercar level. With what CAMS have uh, laid out as the future of Australian motorsport structure, you've taken a, a Ute hat off and looking at a motorsport at a, at a higher level. Uh, you've your experience across so many different divisions now. Where do you see this restructure sitting? 
Look, to be honest, I um, I haven't really thought a lot about it other than our own um, our, our own series. But but quite clearly, I mean, I think uh, if CAMS's agenda is to seek further government funding, which I assume it is, and if CAMS's agenda is to ensure that there is a path to Formula One to help secure that funding, then they probably did need to introduce Formula Four. Uh, whether whether uh, they should have done what they've done to Formula Three and Formula Four is is. Is, to, is arguable depending on what, what side of the fence you're sitting on. So long as they have a home to race and continue to race and continue to foster young talent, uh, I think CAMs have to make Formula 4 work now. They've committed to it. They've got to make it work. And, uh, and I think it, you know, if it becomes a relevant path to Formula 1, and I think that's yet to be tested, but if it becomes a relevant path to Formula 1 and it secures the extra government funding that CAMs are seeking as a result of going into Formula Ford, then it's probably achieved its objective. In terms of uh, Carrera Cup being downgraded from a national CAMS championship, is that a problem? I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's still a very, very worthwhile professional motorsport series. It's just a name at the end of the day. It's not going to lose any credibility, I don't think, in the eyes of the race fan or, 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 the, or, or the competitor. Is the entertainment motorsport industry changing significantly? Uh, Tony Quinn, of course, is the other player in that industry with the Aussie racing cars, which is more entertainment than racing in his eyes. You guys have always said that. Is that industry changing markedly? Look, if I was to make any comment on V8 supercars, I think where they need to be careful is that they're going down the development route, I think, more so than the entertainment route. And I think that's where you have to balance the act between uh, the fan and what the manufacturer wants because at the end of the day it's the fan that pays the money to watch Fox Sports on television pays the money to come to the gate and therefore I think that balance needs to be carefully considered in whatever V8 supercars do moving forward. Race fans want to see race cars passing one another. That's why they watch television that's why they come to the races. Tony Quinn has got the formula right you know with a 32 car field at Sandown the racing over the weekend was very very spectacular because cars were always passing cars. The V8 ute formats are set so that Utes always pass Utes, whether it's a reverse grid of the top nine or whatever. It's always the fan first. And I think at the end of the day, when you've got, you know, crowd figures that over the last couple of years have probably started to diminish away, and certainly television ratings are um, a major commercial driver for everybody's value moving forward, I think you've got to ask yourself, are we doing enough to entertain the fan on the day? And critically, their Utes have been a major part of the new television package, i.e., providing content for uh, Fox Sports. How have you seen that partnership? What's been the reaction from competitors and from customers? Look, from our point of view, it's been fantastic. We're, we're more than happy with the new uh, television package. In actual fact, after our first four rounds this year, compared to our first four rounds last year, our television vision audiences uh, overall has grown by 2%. And we expect, now that we're coming into the, uh, the major events between now and the end of the year, that I would like to think there'll be a minimum of 10% growth this year over last year. Crowd figures have been up 2% as well. Uh, and I think the, fan, the fact that you can watch a V8 practice session on an iPad or an iPhone or at home on your television is fantastic for the category. For those that are so into it and, and so want to watch it, they don't miss anything. And then you've got the benefit, of course, of replays on Channel 10 for our live races from the major events as well, plus a one-hour program on 1HD. So um, I can only say that we're extremely happy uh, with what it's delivered for the category this year.
when you see and you're not oblivious to the coverage and and the uh, the boycott groups and all these sort of things, do you do you just have to sit back and go these people don't see the big picture or what? Okay. What do you say? I think it's a, you've got to accept the fact that, that it's a changing world and uh, and media is one of the big biggest game changers of all. So you've got to embrace it and adopt it. And uh, you know with streaming, uh, with the fact that uh, NRL and AFL codes are splitting broadcasts now between free to air and uh, and and Fox. I mean at the end of the day the commercial dollar will drive the value of the spend and uh, and I just think that uh, to have every practice session every qualifying session and every race from a V8 supercar round for all categories and support categories is fantastic and to be able to watch it on your iPhone I think we just should embrace it and get on with it Is this perhaps a discussion that's been forgotten? How much additional value is now coming into the support category? Oh I think so, I I think you know we've gone from what was 21 telecast hours for V8 Utes last year to over 45 telecast hours for V8 Utes this year now who would have thought even myself five years ago in my wildest dreams, would I have ever thought we would have every practice qualifying and race televised live on television, picked up, um, you know, on Foxtel Go on an iPhone or an iPad? Um, no. And therefore, I think it's fantastic for the category. But I think, you know, media platforms are changing massively and will continue to change massively. You have to embrace it, accept it and move forward. We've seen the Shannon's Nationals being a streaming primary delivery method. Well... I guess, live delivery method with a highlights package. We're hearing talk that Rugby League is actually considering a streaming package for non-Channel 9 games over Foxtel. As a media person, that is such a revolutionary context from even 12 months ago to now. Absolutely, and of course, you know, the technology has developed so much with the rollout of the NBN and all those other things that are happening and, uh, and enforcing change and will force change, you simply have to embrace it. And uh, at the end of the day, when you're in a major commercial sport or a sport that's funded primarily by commercial dollars, you have to go where ultimately the best deal is for you. And uh, at the end of the day, as I said, we make our decision based on the fact how are our eyeballs this year compared to this time last year when we had this deal, and we have absolutely no complaints. And I guess you're in a different conversation to the guys at Fair Supercars who are having conversations with companies that as soon as they were to look up the series, they've got all this negative, uh, negative stuff hitting them as soon as they ask the question about... Um, oh, and as soon as they start doing their own research, you've got a story where you're just going, well, we're going great guns and no one's said a bad word about it. No, and look, we've come from a low base. I mean, we started with no live races when you go back to 2001. I mean, we've basically had a one-hour show on, on SBS and, uh, and before that a one-hour show on Fox in Fox's first year of operation. So we've come from an extremely low base, been able to sustain the category and grow it and grow the commercial support along the way so we can afford to do what we do now. So as a category, uh, we certainly have no complaints. And I think those that, you know, while there's probably not a great deal of, uh, of goodwill towards those that aren't prepared to purchase Fox Sports, uh, towards, towards the active V8 supercars. I still reckon come Sunday morning at Bathurst, the ratings will be sky high and every other major free-to-wear event on 10. Between now and the end of the year, ratings will be extremely high. The fan will come back. The fan has to be given to a reason to want to watch the event, and I think it's less about television and more about the entertainment aspect of what is being provided to the fan that's going to drive that debate. Well, Craig, it's always interesting to have a chat with you. Thanks for your time once again. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.
www.inside-motorsport.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two laps to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. I hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Inside Supercars. Some interesting stuff from the support paddocks there, I'm sure you'll agree. My thanks to Tony Quinn, Craig Denyer, and, of course, Peter Jamison at the top of the show. Next week, we get fully into the Bathurst 1000 as we preview that event. I hope you'll join us then. Until next time around, keep smiling, and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.